Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Robert? I don't know how I am. Why? I'm just lost in a surreal world and I don't know who I am anymore. What? Yes. This is existential. Why, Rob? Help think, me help I think, you. I think the guest we have today, his art is just making me feel incredibly surreal. God. And incredibly like... Could um, be your top you're wearing. You've got stripes going one way and, I know, and I on think, the pockets. It's a bit like a migraine. Like, no, it's yeah. not like a migraine, actually. It's like, it's like one of those 1970s kind of um, moments where, where like quantum leap would happen and just as he's about to oh go boy. from one 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 time point to another it's like starts the screen starts going I agree with that yes. it's almost that like your who I am. is the portal to another time you, you need to be quiet because this is the intro we have oh, to like sh- shush the guest right now <laughs> shush, shush. already joining in um yeah so anyway i'm feeling very like i'm about to go from one time point to another time you're strobing i'm in intermediate intermediate yeah, or something you're, in, what you're I intermediate I'm in. I'm in something. I'm in, in, indeterminate. <laughs> You're a medium. I'm yeah. I'm yes. Something. So yeah, that's how we are. Well, we we love our guest. Our guest is uh, incredibly funny, but also incredibly talented and artistic. And we want to concentrate and talk on that today. Well, he's so. an artist, and he well, studied an art. And uh, he actually came to the forefront through television. And I weirdly have a funny story because I studied at. Westminster University for a period of time, pop music. And it basically it was a way of doing my records when I was in my band. And I got invited to go on his show, which was called The Mighty Boosh, um, as an electro pop band. Um, you you did a scene, I think, where you had an electro pop band in, yeah. in the in the in the episode. And I was meant to be, I think, either the keyboard player or something, but I couldn't do it in the end because I had flu or something happened. And my friend Sebastian ended up doing it, and my other friends all went and did it, and I didn't do it. But at the time your show wasn't that famous, I don't even no. think. It was right at the beginning. So I didn't even know what the Mighty Bush was. So it you wasn't think, like yeah. it was I was just like, I'm ill, I'm staying at home in bed. But yeah. I really regret it now because Good. I could have I could have been in your show. You but should, anyway. You should regret it. That was one of the biggest mistakes of your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got there in the end. I got there in the end. Yes, we actually got to be now. in the same we're room in the end. Well, we so, could yeah. go through your pocket back in time. We could, exactly. <laughs> we're going to time travel and we're going to re-record the Mighty Boosh so that I can be in the electro band. It's never over. It's never over. <laughs> There's always a way. There's always another channel. There's always another dimension. line. Another dimension. Wow, there's so much possibility, guys. Physics. Anyway, well, I got there the in the end. Art. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, <laughs> Noel Fielding. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming oh, on. I'm so happy. You're both, uh, I love this. I love it. I'm, oh. I could be here forever. It's like a warm pot. 
pocket. It's like your magic pocket. <laughs> it is. It's like a little tiny womb. Where have you come from today, Noel? <laughs> I've come from Jupiter. No, yes. I came from, uh, I was near Leicester, Market Harbour. Which isn't oh, yeah. dissimilar to Jupiter. It's, it's my like, friend it's... Sergio Pizzorno's uh, birthday. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we had fun actually. I Who, who's he? He's got the quite guy drunk in that and band. I, I went into a pub. It was raining, so we went into a pub before we were getting picked up. Mm. And I bought I did that really weird cliched thing of buying everyone in the pub a drink. No. They, we looked like we landed from space, obviously. <laughs> and it was like this tiny little country pub. So how, how many, many people were in the pub? Me. But there's only like four people in yeah, there, right? There's only like twelve <laughs> people. It was cheaper than around in London. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, the whole pub. I, I bought a dog a margarita, which is <laughs> one you? of my big highlights, yeah. And you look like you arrived from space because you're bright pink we so all had... we just met you on the outside of where we're recording today in King's Cross and you turned up in like faux fur bright I hope it's faux fur yeah, it's, it's, faux fur. Fur. yeah. it's not faux fur. Fur. it's panda it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pink panda uh, and then you removed that because it's so hot in the studio and you've revealed another pink which I think is mohair or something it's like a sort of knitted Russian dolls just like non-stop bright <laughs> luminous pink all I'm around gonna... us so you do look like you've come from Take another this planet off at the end yeah. of this and reveal my sort of all the workings of my body pink you know, tattoos you know like the science books where they take your skin oh off yes which is all bright pink mm, as well all, all that game you used to play yeah which was oh, um, Operation Operation I loved yeah. that game yes. I was useless at it and I could never do the tweezer thing we have to like it pick something it looked great out. on tally and it looked so good it, it wasn't as good was it although my favourite was actually the Play-Doh uh, hair I was like obviously a very young gay child no. but I really wanted to be a hairdresser when I was really young yeah. and they had that Play-Doh thing where you would push the Play-Doh and it would grow the, the hair, hair like and out I like that. And it would grow and grow and grow, scissors. and then you'd cut it. And the Mr. A... Frosty, do you remember having that? And everybody yes. had it, but it was, you use it once, yeah, and then it would just it. sit in the cupboard. Like, Is that like a... yourself as a young slush puppy. child? I was a young child. I was a young gay child. <laughs> <laughs> young gay child. When I was a child, I was quite young. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I'm just ridiculously over-describing every moment of my life. Um, yeah, so I was a young gay child who really wanted to be a hairdresser for a very brief time. Didn't know that. Linked to Play-Doh. Well, you don't know everything about me. I, I am a very mysterious being <laughs> who has many different... mysterious girl. Different dimensions. You are. Yeah, I always fancied that. Well, you have a good haircut. Do you know what we did when we did the bush? We always put in jobs that we wanted to do. So I wanted to be a zookeeper when I was young. So we we're like, oh, let's work in a zoo. So I sort of got to be a zookeeper. And I also oh, I said see. to Julian, I wanted to be a hairdresser, and he thought that was hilarious. So in one episode, we're going on a boat on a cruise, and I cut the captain's hair, I give him a mullet. <laughs> and he makes, I love it. He makes us walk the plank, so we get shipwrecked. On that's the actually one island. of the, That's one of the most memorable moments of the Mighty Bush me is the one on a boat mm-hmm. yeah. where you're the kind of merman person oh, yeah, who Greg. lifts up his dress and has light coming out. <laughs> it's a really that is a very memorable moment. Actually. I think that's that's it. We peaked when we did that. Yeah. So it's talking about that, you designed genius. all the costumes and the makeup and everything for the booth. Well, I did a lot of drawings for all that stuff, and then I started working with people who obviously can take those drawings and make them into. It. We worked with some brilliant people, a brilliant makeup designer called Christine Kant, who I won't do a TV show without. If she's not free, I just go, oh, let's not do it. <laughs> she's fiery Scottish lady. Luckily we got you today because there's no cameras. Yeah, yeah, lots of really good costume people, lots of uh, good animators. Like we had to surround ourselves with people we knew that could do it. But you have to have the initial Vision. ideas. And Julian's quite good at drawing as well. Is he? Yeah, he's interesting actually. He's. Uh, we were both into drawing when we were kids and then he sort of went slightly more musical. But um, yeah, he's pretty handy with a, with a rotaring pen cross-hatch business that you wouldn't believe. <laughs> sh- sh- shading he's not loose lovely. though because he's so jazzy and his acting style and his comedy style you'd think he'd be loose but he's quite tight. Is he's he? Bot- tight yeah. lines. Yeah. 
Good. Tight. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's got so, a tight style, but it's really powerful. Wow. So without, before the comedy, you studied to be an artist. That was after being a zookeeper, you were going to then be an artist. I think right? I was always good at painting and drawing when I was a kid. And so teachers go, wow, you're not very good at math. So let's put you, you go, you're going to art college. And I used to be like, oh, okay. And my, I had, a, I was very lucky. I went to Croydon Art School and I had uh, my teacher Dexter Dalwood, yes, a great artist. Turner nominee. Yeah, Did he win the Turner Prize? Or I think he got he, nominated. I don't didn't he? Can't no, remember. He I think won he might it. have won it. I don't know. No, but he's very good. And so he was my teacher. But he was also a cool wow. dude. He was in a punk band. He was in a band called the Cortinas, who yes. supported the Sex Pistols. And he was quite a cool, all-round guy. He really liked Vic and Bob. I remember me and him used to sort of bond on liking Vic and Bob. And he used to say to me, "You should be a comedian." You're funny, but you're not very good at painting. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, no, he didn't say I wasn't very good, but I think he just thought I had some uh, performing thing that I wasn't tapping into. And at that point, I did want to be a comedian anyway, but I didn't really tell anyone. It was a sort of secret. I used to write sketches and hide them, you know. Um, and but so, like, like sketches if to make for TV or sketches like stand-up sketches? Like, yeah, written sketches and stuff, which right. was... I started writing sketches when I was like 12. It's quite a weird thing to do. But what, like really, stand-up comedy sketches? Which is like... I wanted to write for like Brian Laurie or something like that. So wow. I'd write Brian Laurie style sketches and then hide them all away in a briefcase and not tell anyone. But then I sort of thought, oh, maybe I should do stand-up. Um, in a weird way, I felt I didn't study painting classically, you know, go to Italy and study. Yeah, I'd love to have done that as well, but it's yeah. a slightly different thing. But um, I think when I started doing stand-up, I thought, oh, this is painting pictures, but with words in a quick way and acting it out. This right, is almost right, right. my paintings because... And also you have a very unique physicality when you're on stage. And yeah. also when we're thinking of Mighty Boosh earlier, like like we were talking about the costumes and the sets and all that, that was very much part of the comedy element to it. it but always, it became very surreal, very like otherworldly. Kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Julian's yeah. always into the music, so there was always quite a strong look and a strong musical vibe to it. Weirdly, we take that as seriously as the comedy. So. No, I can imagine that. <laughs> but the comedy kind of took care of itself because the double act was quite strong. So mm. we were quite lucky because we did that quite effortlessly. So then I would spend... I remember sitting on the floor and Julian was... Uh, we were doing a radio show and he was sort of building soundscapes and I was painting and he went, you know it's radio, right? Because I was painting one of the characters <laughs> and he just went, you know people can't see it. You do know. <laughs> they right? can't hear that drawing, yeah. <laughs> but for me, unless I could see it, I can't visualise it and then it isn't real. So and like I, with old Greg, I had to know what he looked like, what he was wearing. Oh yeah, old Greg, that's his name. That's so right, I, I am old Greg. Of, oh my God. So there's yeah. a bit of ODB in him, a bit of Little Richard, a bit of yes. Rick James. There's lots of different things and I have to sort of work out... Like storyboards and almost, uh, or, or like mood boards. Like I have to work out what he's going to be wearing, what he's all, you know, what's he wearing? What, does he have many outfits? What does he look like? And I think the greatest artists that I've always connected to create other worlds and they create yeah. their own world. With well, and It might represent an element of the world we all know, but it takes it somewhere else. And I think you've managed to do that on so many levels, yeah. which is why I really wanted to have you on the show. And we did ask you a number of times, but you've been so busy that it's been really I, hard. Yeah. We've been trying to make it I'm happen. I'm so happy it's happened because partly why we do talk art is to show people, it's not just like an artist that you might already know and heard, have heard yeah. of, because not everyone might even know that you make. I mean, I'm sure a lot no. of your fans do know because you do post it on Instagram and stuff but I mean I don't think everyone is familiar with you as an artist no. but I think it's no. so much of who you are is being an artist and then that's informed all the other elements so it's almost like comedy you know performing acting all those things are all kind of part of this universe yeah thank you that's amazing that you notice you don't know I mean I just was on the train <clears throat> and it was making me laugh I looked up I'm reading Kenneth Williams book yeah and uh 
he was talking about Reg Varney, who was on on the buses. He was like the main guy. And then I just noticed that it said he painted in his later life. And oh, they were wow. I looked at his paintings and they were sort of amazing. Yeah. Very cl- normal watercolors, but beautifully done. Yeah. But it was sort of making me of laugh. Buses or <laughs> no, I wish <laughs> buses. of olive. Was it a picture of paintings of olive? I know. Buses, yeah. And I was like. <laughs> I just didn't, I wouldn't look at him and go, oh yeah, he's out there painting landscapes. But that fascinates me. I love the idea that art But it's is the same, like it's a, all the yeah, same, yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't it? But you also yeah. follow a lineage of other comedians who paint. So Vic yeah. Reeves, for example. Is yeah. Harry Hill. Yeah. Harry Hill paints. Harry Hill. Uh, Jim Carrey. Yes. And he's we need Jim Carrey as well, man. Britney he's Spears. Uh, Britney Spears. Yeah. Really? She's not a comedian. She's a global <laughs> icon. She's hilarious. <laughs> Follow her on Instagram. Leave I Britney alone. Love I Britney. love Britney, bitch. <laughs> we all love Britney. It's Britney, bitch. I, like I love that. Art. I can't even imagine. A lot of flowers. Wow. Yeah, really really kind of quite flat flowers. What there's makes... a show in that, Noel. On... We need to get you and no, Britney to not, do a sugar There's no background. Show. It's very kind oh of God. illustrative. It says a lot about you, what you make, mm. in terms of visual you know, pictures because I remember hanging out with uh, the bass player of The Clash and he paints Paul Simonon. And, yes, and, and I, I just And I was heard really this. shocked because it was quite um, classical, beautiful, very uh, detailed, fine art sort of. It, what, I was imagining spray cat, spray paint. The you know, same energy paint. that he puts well, into like his music into the art. Like slogans and yeah, sort yeah, of crazy yeah. punk. And it was like this very English, beautiful Country's landscape. Like, yeah, wow. And actually, I just met the... We're doing an interview for the New York Times with Rachel Felder, and she's really good friends with Paul Simonon. Right. And I've met him a number of times, and I didn't even know he made art. No, and and she said to me, you have to get him on talk art. And I was like, really? And then I started looking into his work, and it's yeah. kind of amazing. He's yeah, actually brilliant. it's really brilliant. amazing that he does that. And yeah. the clash, you sort of go, wow. I know, it's like, what? But there is a clash, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge clash. <laughs> it's brilliant. I mean, I sort of felt like, he could easily just subvert these beautiful landscapes with one tiny element. The problem with me is I can't, I can never quite, um, I always want to slightly upset the art or subvert it. So I can never quite, if it becomes too serious, it sort of dies for me. Right, mm-hmm. right. And it's not that you can't make serious work. Obviously you can. But um, the worst thing about art for me is if I have to read five pages about why Anish Kapoor is a genius. Right, know, and I'm just right. going... I'm not sure it doesn't anyone's make you feel getting or... that from what you've just said. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know when people say, Yeah, if you have to over-explain something. This new kind of red colour. <laughs> yeah. He's digging into his feelings of loneliness. And you sort of go, okay, I don't know about that. The explanations for art always slightly frighten me. I always yeah. sort of think, oh, I wonder. I don't know, because it's so specific. And, and that explanation isn't there when you look at art. So what you take from it is up to you, you know? And also, I think your work has a real immediacy to it, which isn't dissimilar, I guess, to being impromptu speaking or or that kind it of feels like boom, like boom, it's, boom. It's very like immediate, but then it looks considered as well. It's yeah. a spontaneous you have improvisation. A language, That's what it feels like. I was like, as an actor, when I write, yeah. I always feel like when you do a freeze game, yeah. spontaneous improvisation, I feel like when you're writing and you can do that, it's like um, yeah. an... Um, in a yeah. monologue coming out on the paper. Yeah, absolutely. Which I feel like is with your eyes, you have this kind of like trance-like quality. I really like uh, the speed of art, the fast, the movement, the uh, the idea, the quickness, the speed of the idea as well I like. And I don't mind so much. I like, I prefer children's drawings, you know. All my favourite artists are quite wonky. I like, like the buffet and yes. Jean-Michel Basket. I like yes. people who, and Keith Herring, I like the sort of where it splurges out. I mean, I do like, Henri Rousseau, and I do. I love. Uh, I love some of the classical painters. As well. I love Leonardo, but you know, it's a different thing almost. Mm, it's mm, almost mm. so. And I love Hockney. You know, he's a very course, talented yeah. painter. Mm. But um, 
I do like the sort of, I want to say humour in art, but I'm not sure it is humour in a way. It's not funny. I mean, Shrigley's funny. When you see Shrigley's, mm. you always yeah, laugh yeah, yeah. at them. Yeah. But I actually think the paintings are quite beautiful and the drawings are quite yes, beautiful. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. something amazingly free about yes. them. Yes. Which that's really difficult to do. And also, do. I think he, he analyzes society so well. Yeah. And he's really, he's looking at the world from an artist's perspective. He nails Which it. is also a different thing. So whenever you're thinking about something socially, he, he just come up says with it in one line. Yeah. election or whatever you're talking about. He's kind of like, but also, you know that he's an incredibly skillful draftsman yeah. and artist but he's decided that how he wants to present his voice yeah. through art is this way so a lot of people will come to his work straight away and be like well he's very naive he's yeah. like not not the most gifted artist no. or I can is, do that yeah. people always go I can yeah, do that yeah my kid can do that but the point is that's the decision he made yeah. and he yes. got to a point in his life and his artistic career to go like that is that's my message but also we have photorealism so we've gone as far as you can go yeah, yeah. it's like what do you do with, then yeah. and people can paint where you go is that photograph and that's kind of amazing but also you sort of have to go there and then come all the way back exactly. it's funny at art school you're always trying to learn how to draw and you do life drawing and Dexter made us do life drawing for days and days and days and days and years until you were sick of it but actually you get to a point and you go that's as well as I can paint and draw I'll never get beyond that mm. and then is that how I want to paint so then you sort of come back from it I guess or you try and forge ahead and mm. have more training but and I guess it's also sometimes people have things they want to say yeah, and then it's about how can you get that across. Well, there's also ma as a magic that you can't predict, you can't plan or prepare for an accident. Or a, sometimes I turn the canvases upside down and paint something else, and it's better. And I know when my paintings are more successful because they take not very long. Oh, really? The ones that I struggle with, they never quite get there. There's wow. never a sort of resolution. They're sort so, of always a bit clumsy and a bit heavy and clunky. People but who don't know your work, you, you, you make paintings predominantly and also drawings. I do a lot of drawings. I just thought you've got to get back into this now, like properly. I've never had time because of television and stuff. So I thought, right, get into it, get back into it. Drawing was always what Dexter, everyone said. You just keep sketch, but do as many drawings as you can. Your paintings will get better. Wow. So. I started doing drawings on black paper with oil crayons, which I liked. And I just do as many as I can. I started amassing them. I've got piles and piles. And I sell them off in a little gallery in Kent called Don't Walk Walk Gallery. You just is, had a show there recently. Yeah, they're ama he's amazing. He's an artist himself. He does these beautiful cloud paintings. And um, Where in Kent? It's Deal. Uh, Deal. Deal, really? Yeah. I used to go Reed, there. Vic I'm Reed's living in Margate now, so I should there. go down there. Oh, yeah, right, it's really cool. funky little... Seaside Garrett. It's not what you'd imagine a seaside Garrett I still haven't to been be. to Deal. It's ridiculous. I need it's to... fun. You'd like Deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an odd place. It's like going back in time. <laughs> Just go through your pocket. You'll be there. And, um, <laughs> don't get the train. It takes too long. <laughs> yeah, it'll take me a good Just half hour to get there pocket. from Margate. Only yeah. I had a shirt like that. <laughs> I know. I I'm blessed. To... I'm very blessed. I just tried to write a TV show that's doing my head and I can't make it work about a record player a magic record player where you put your favourite album on, you can go inside your favourite album. Oh my God, I want this. This I mean, is a good that's show. That's genius. I, I can't genius. make it work though. And your, your Bella Foy jumper right now says 1970, <laughs> so we, your jumper could almost take us there too. But stupidly, I've told everyone I'm trying to do this. No, but now that I can't make good. it work and everyone's going to go, where's that thing you, you said? You can make it work. You just the need the right player. writer in the room. You need this guy. I know. <laughs> that sounds like a, like a kid's book. Or yeah, not, not, that's not to lower like, lesson what you're saying, but it feels like a kid's adventure book. 
Do you know what's interesting? Quite quantum leap as is well. Yeah. When we tried to write it, it turned into a kid's adventure yeah. book, sort of. Sarah Jane Adventures or Doctor who wow. sort of thing we where they can go... We started writing... Well, the interesting angle on it I had that I don't know if I'm going to pursue, but was that when you go through, there's like a sort of music genie that comes out and takes you through. And then there's a reception area. And <laughs> if you've gone through a funk album, it's like, oh, that's on third on the left. And then there's a, a musical spirit guide that goes, oh, he's the funk spirit guide. And he goes, oh, come through. But it's a bit like Alton Towers or something. It's like a terrible version of your favourite record. Like a theme and he park runs version, a bit like right. a ghost train. Right, right, right. <laughs> At the end, there's a gift shop. And he goes, that was it. That was your journey through Thriller, Michael Jackson, or whatever. Yeah. Bad choice. But, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 let's not, not do that, that kids. No, no yeah. not for the kids. Yeah. A Clash record. And it's like, you know, so you have this experience and there's a guide that takes you through. And the show is going to be about all those guides, like the funk guide and the country music guide and the, you know, a jazz I've got guide. One thing to say to you, though, just do it because this is genius. It's and actually, I think you of all, all people right. are going to make this work. Just, just get. A, or someone's going to listen to this and steal it. And they're not allowed to because we will it. sue them. I will see. The, I'll take you to court. I, I will not not you not, to court. Not, I'll take them to court. Not to court I will help idea. support your court case. <laughs> Screw them. Um, you know who's you have gone, to just make this. It's brilliant. I'm going to keep trying. It's just I've sort of um, I kept getting stuck with it. It's quite uh, tricky to get to that point and simplify it because it's already two leaps of faith. It's like a record right, right, player right. that takes you inside. So there's mm. a portal, and then honey, I shrunk the kids so they can go down to a record size and they yeah. get spun around on a record. Oh my God. That's quite good. Idea. And then they end up getting taken into the the rhythm of the record. Oh, that's quite good if right. it shrunk down. Yeah. Well, okay, this isn't actually the, the right forum though, right? <laughs> for you to be doing a writing group. We're writing it now. I yeah, exactly. Honey, honey, I shrunk the kids. I want to get like... back to talking about art. Yes. What's funny, on the train just coming here, so there was Reg Varney and then yes. also my friend Philip, Phil Jupiter's from Never yes, yes, Box, yes. um texted me and said, I need your address. And I was like, oh, how are you? And he's just, like, stop stalking me. He's just gone back to art college. <laughs> Has he? No. In Scotland. Wow. He's just always wanted to do it. And he's just decided and that also, he's going to go to that's art. That's when I first met you when I did Buscox. Yeah, and I was so in Phil's team. I think he's at um, Glasgow or, Ad or Edinburgh. I can't remember. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And so he's now sending me pictures and he's loving it. What is his sort of, what is he doing, figurative or Well, he did abstract? a lot of collage stuff and he was a good cartoonist, but last, he was doing these amazing sort of uh, big paintings of flags and stuff. It was quite interesting and I've done lots of different stuff, I think. But he's actually having a blast and I love people who do that. You no, know, the guy who's done comedy and acting. So is there a part of you that, I mean, how important is it for you now as, as like going forward to be a visual artist I'm such a weirdo I've been spending three years in my studio just painting and painting and painting and I've got too many paintings I have to put them in storage because it's getting so small my studio just... <laughs> where is it um, what I've learned I'm really good at is in Dalston yeah. is stacking paintings I'm like an ant I can stack a thousand paintings and still give myself space wow. if there was an award for that I'd win the Turner Prize. You need one of those cameras, like, <laughs> like documenting it. Yeah, the space yeah, yeah. slowly like, getting smaller and you like, getting more like and more hoarder, pinned like in. Like an art hoarder, yeah. <laughs> so I just stack things in really weird ways. That must be pretty intense because like the characters labyrinth. in your paintings are quite You know that scene characters. with David Bowie where it's all stairs and geometric? In the labyrinth. Yeah. It's like an, yeah, 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 yeah. Is yeah. it Escher? It's like an Escher yeah, painting. Yeah, yeah, it's the Escher one, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, it's so weird, my studio, because it's packed full of paintings. But um, So I've been doing it pretty... I've never had the time to do it. And what, interestingly, because I've had a baby, I've got a little girl now, oh. I really love spending time with her. So I sometimes, as you know, acting stuff takes you away. Tours take you away. Lots of jobs take you away for a long time, which I don't want to do. So what's great about painting is if you've got half a day here, you know, you can go and do it. You, and it's my studio's near where I live, so it's... It's not like it takes me away for six months, yeah. like a lot of comedy does. Yeah. So I've been doing painting 
I think to relax as well and to just uh, not to relax that's actually I've never relaxed painting it's very stressful <laughs> do you find it stressful but I guess you're using a different part of your brain though sometimes so maybe I love it I, yeah. I'm really faith, I'm like a fatalist so if it's a good painting I've made I'm so happy and if sure. it's a bad one I really want to destroy my whole studio I come out really you know at midnight covered in paint in a weird outfit sort of staring looking like a horrible version of sort of Van Gogh you know really tense and the cab drivers are like you alright mate <laughs> You think I'm gonna? You're like, no, I'm, I'm not go all right. Killing spree. <laughs> I made a bad painting today. Yeah. Or you know, if it's a good painting, then you're like, yes, I'm let's go out. Let's go to dinner. <laughs> yeah. Dinner's on me. It's yeah. weird that. But I think I've always been like that with a bush. If it, what well, we couldn't get a script right, I'd hate it. It would kill me. And yeah. Julian was the same. It would nag me and nag me and nag me. And we'd be like ringing each other up at midnight or four in the morning. Or, <clears> oh, I've been thinking about that thing. I think I might have. You know, like you just said, what if you shrink down? That's quite a nice. It's like a little key that opens another door and yeah, you're yeah, somewhere yeah. else with writing so you go what if oh wait a minute what if we don't go in the record player what if the stuff comes out into the room it's like there's always a little there's always a key to get you into another place and you just got to find the right yeah. almost doorways through and painting's a bit like that I feel like you there's a you can suddenly find the right key and suddenly you get something great and then on other days you just can't and it's depressing. What are you like when you sell work? Are you quite happy to let it go or do you find it hard? I'm weird like that. I don't think I need to even do that part of it. Like I love the painting I'm working on. When that's done, gone, I forget about it and I, the new one's all I'm interested in. You could almost put it in an incinerator or just paint over the same painting because I have no interest in it after I've done it. Wow. Which is <laughs> really weird. So... I do really want to have an ex exhibitions and stuff because I think they're good for you. They're good for you mentally. Like when I had one in Deal, it was really good for me because it meant I got loads of stuff out and all the drawings sold and I sold a few paintings and it was really nice. It was a nice day and everyone came. And well, Actually, it was really windy. There were gales, there were trees on the train lines. No one could get there, but lots of people turned up. And lots of Boosh fans turned up, which was really nice. So oh. I did lots of photos with kids and stuff who like Bake Off. Yeah. So that became like an event and people were queuing around the block. And, it was and all also, crazy. there must be part of making work that you want to communicate yeah. and have a conversation. If you're just yeah. doing it for yourself, I mean, some people do that though, and they're very, <clears throat> they, you know, when they die, you suddenly find the whole of their body of work. But it's hard because you think, is this a vanity project? Am I just doing this for myself? It's like no, it's if such you're, an odd if, thing. If you're having to go to the studio and you're working for that long and it's actually affecting you emotionally so yeah. much about yeah. the work, it's then a passion. it doesn't feel like it's a vanity project. That feels that's something no you're compelled but to I do. I feel like if you suddenly uh, start selling a few, then you feel justified. And you go, oh, it's okay, I can spend this much money on materials. Right, yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. okay. Well, if it's a feeding feel... system, just buying more materials, and yeah. that's fantastic in itself, isn't it? I think I need a store. I just need storage, really. Mm. And then yeah. Sometimes you have them hanging around, and I often paint figures, so it's like you've filled a room full of people. Mm. That's what I was going to say, though, because I, like, I can I imagine just... that. Your characters in your paintings are very distinctive. And am I so suddenly... it must be quite intense having them all piled up around you and all these faces at looking at you yeah it's all staring at you I love the one you silent. just it's made creepy. recently that has all the little faces yeah. it's like kind of oh, that was really intense I love that I'm interested in the audience was yeah. that it? Is it called the audience I think I'm building my own audience which might mean that I'm pining to do some more stand up I don't know I sort of keep... oh, so you know what psychologically Phil? like looking at your work maybe you know, yeah. I thought there was something interesting about painting crowds of people from the point of view of a performer, because we know what it's like to stand in front of those people, mm. and they want—they're so expecting something, something from, from you, which yeah. is crazy. And you're mm. like, 
what do you want? And then, as you can occasionally on stage, I don't know if you have this, but on stage, occasionally, me and June would have those out of body experiences. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had what those. are we doing what here? What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, yeah. before you walk on stage sometimes, I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? And then you walk know. on and you have a good show and you're like, yes. And often, because you're on stage, they're sort of like looking up at you. Yeah. It's like they're expecting faces are so. Um, you, there's like the anticipation where you just yeah. go, I can't let these people I, down. I actually remember being on stage in Los Angeles um, and I was so nervous about playing in LA because yeah. there was all this pressure from in the record band, label. So. Yeah, I used to be in a band yeah, a long time ago. <clears throat> what was your band called? It was called Tempo Shark oh, okay. and it was electro pop music. Wow. And I, I did it from like 2000 till 2010, but I started when I was 14, so in the early 90s, uh, 1994. Wow. So I was doing it for like 15 years or something. But I remember being on stage in LA and I was so, I put so much pressure on myself that for the whole concert, it was like auto. It just yeah. happened. I sang everything I was meant to sing. But the whole time I was thinking you were and I was outside of my body. Yes. And I remember it was almost like floating. But for the whole concert, wow. it was really traumatizing. And uh, it was one of the worst experiences I ever had it's on horrific, stage. It's it, horrific because yeah. you, you can't get out of it. No. And everyone else is like, I love that concert. And I felt so separate from it. And I couldn't One of my worst experiences, I was in New York and uh, it was a day before matinee and I got given a sleeping tablet just thought okay like, as a that. treat oh my god you know every now and then I thought I'd have a sleeping yeah. tablet as a treat have a really good night's god. sleep and I didn't sleep on it so I went to do this matinee oh dear and it started like kicking in oh so then god. I went out on stage and we were just on a bare stage it was a view from the bridge on Broadway all barefoot and then I flipped a line around I said it the wrong way around and I literally had this like total meltdown in my head and I just thought open your mouth and the words would come out and I did but every other actor on stage just sort of looked at me like they, they all cocked their heads like a dog like, like what nightmare is going on and when I came off stage they went where are you you just went somewhere then I went I'm in a sleeping tablet on stage and I'm awake oh wow so I did the show and I was trembling then in between shows I had a, the deepest like two hours sleep ever and then that evening I did a blinding show yeah 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 and I was like thank god I had a good evening show because if I'd have had a bad evening show I think I'd have quit the business I would never done play again it was so scary yeah. 1500 people there and you're just like I can't do this I nearly walked off stage I had a similar experience when I took sleeping I, I don't react very well to sleeping pills and I for some reason I, occasionally I have bouts where I can't sleep properly um, I get too excited too much adrenaline and I can't sleep and I was so tired and I knew I had to do this stand up show yeah so I just took sleep and it didn't, again, it didn't same for me. I couldn't sleep, but it sort of kicked in much later. Yeah. And I can never shake them. It's like two days. Yeah. So my friend rang me up and I was talking to him and he went, what's happened to you? And I went, what do you mean? And he went, you sound like Sylvester Stallone. This is what you sound like. Hey, Dave. What's <laughs> and I was like, what do I? And he went, yeah, drink some coffee. You've got to do a gig tonight. And I was like, no, oh, me, I'm going to be fine. I was like, literally... <laughs> And I was couldn't really speak, and so I had to drink like five coffees, and I was really panicking. And the yeah, first half of the gig was so slow, and sort of like wading through treacle. And then by the end, it sort of came good. The adrenaline, I think, killed it. But I went never again. Never I can't. Again, I know. Like it, it was like being underwater. It's horrific. And you can't. It's like you've lost all your yeah. powers. Yeah. <laughs> like you just Superman. second. Terrifying. You just doubt everything you're saying. You second guess everything. Worse than a play because you're letting them down. Like yeah. on stand up, at least you only, you're the only one. Who it's like an idiot. So right, that's right, fine. Right. But I guess in the bush, if you if you were you were having a weird moment, I'd always think, oh, I've got to get through this because there's, there's it's me and Judith. It's like yeah, yeah, and you're letting him down or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in your work, who is the jelly fox? <laughs> <laughs> I really want I love the, the name fox. the jelly fox. You have incredible titles. 
That's what I was going to say about the titles of your work. I mean... Jelly Fox, yeah. The Jelly Fox like The Wizard of Oz or something, isn't sort it? Sort of. I did this... I always had the Jelly Fox back... I think I did a lot... I think... I'm trying to remember where it first came from. I think I did a solo show in Edinburgh after the Bush, weirdly. Julian went and got in lots of films after we did... We did three Bushes and... Uh, we did three Edinburghs with the Bush. Um, and we did really well. And then we were sort of all set to do a TV thing. And Julian got in a film... And then he got in another film. And I was like, oh, right, he's gone. That's that. I thought we were going to do a TV show. And it looked for one moment like he was going to go to Hollywood. And, do wow. that. and it didn't quite happen. I I secretly, behind the scenes, made that. <laughs> made them calls. You made a few calls to Hollywood. <laughs> he doesn't really want it. He's not into it. He can't learn. He's lines. not very good at acting. He shouldn't be in Hollywood. He and needs so to come back to TV. It was tricky because I had to do my own live show after the Bush live shows that had been quite successful in Edinburgh. So I did one. And that's where the moon came from, the moon character. And mm. on the moon spam round, there was an animation where the jelly fox was like this Wizard of Oz character mm. um, that would give you wishes. And he lives in this castle made out of creases I, don't, I can't remember what it was but that was the first time and i brought it back for a tv show and that i always have these characters that i flirt with that come in and out mm. of whatever it is comedy or painting or whatever i'm doing um so they're recurring sort of people because they're almost like when you make a character as you, you know as you know when you build a character you invent a character they don't go away really so I was actually sitting there the other day thinking, I quite miss the Hitcher as a person, this guy that I did in the booth. Mm-hmm. He's all like, he's a little bit based on my granddad, like a cockney geezer. <laughs> but, and I was like, I quite miss being him. It was quite nice. Yeah. I sort of missed him, missed his look, missed his sort of... It's weird. I have that with characters, yeah. But you as an artist, you're creating a world and all these inhabitants in it. Yeah. Just adding to it and just exploring, like opening it up. Like again, you get the key to the next door. Yeah. And there's a whole room full of more of them to kind of bring to life. Do you know what's tricky as well? And you must find this. It's like when you invent some thing, it's almost like the effortless simple things are always the most powerful. Yes. Like when it gets intricate. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm the, we're the worst. Me and Julian were the worst for making it too intricate. It was like we wanted to be punk, but we were actually prog rock. We were always right. making it way too complicated right, right, right. and we'd have to pull back always. And I'm the same with painting. I have to edit out a lot because mm. I do too much and too detailed and too, and it, you know, it muddies the whole Sort and actually, thing. the paintings I like most by you are the most direct ones. The simple They're, they're ones. the ones where they, they almost look like they've just appeared. Yeah. Because they are like apparitions in a way, these characters. Yeah, and if you go in... Also, if you've slightly lost painting... You can just painting, deaden it, can't you? You can just keep going, it, keep yeah. going, keep going. Yeah. Until there's so much oil paint on the canvas that you literally have to scrape it all off and mm. start again. You go, this, I can never save this. But right. yeah, there's some craziness in you that thinks you can save it. Yeah, I can save this. Mm. I just It just needs one more colour. Right. And you get, it doesn't, you've used... You've Every used colours that haven't been invented. I always, <laughs> that's about, take I always that must be really devastating, though, as an artist. If you've made the painting and it already was ready, yeah, and then you, you just go keep going, far. and then you go too you far, it must be really bad. gutting. That's really the worst feeling. In is the it? World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you imagine. ruin it, I've got pictures of really good paintings that are Oof. gone, and I go, oh, I actually started putting those pictures on Instagram and saying these paintings all went to heaven, they no longer exist. And I couldn't believe, I was like, I think four or five of these are the best things I've ever done. What was it in me that went, oh, that needs some more work? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a lesson in itself, though. That's maturity, isn't it? I I guess the more you make work, you'll then know when to stop, maybe. I remember seeing an interview with Jean-Michel Basquiat, and he said, 
what's your process? And he said, I put stuff down, take stuff off, and then I put more down, and then I take stuff. It's basically a continual editing process. Mm. And it's knowing when to walk away and go, yes. that's done. Because it's really... Like writing a script. Yes, yeah. exactly. And also, you know what? With painting, sometimes it, they niggle you. You leave them there and you get this feeling. They're not, that's not quite finished. While you're having like, dinner finished. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you want to go back and do a bit more. I'm the king for going home and then going back. So I'll sort of go home and then go all the way back. Because I live in North London and my studio's in East London. Right, right. I'll get a cab back and then I'll have an idea and go, oh, I've got to go back now. I've just, you obviously need that distance, though, that, that slight space. Once if you just there, sat in then, your studio, just go a bit mad. But if, if I you... had a studio in my house... Do you take paintings Ooh. home, yeah? No, because they're just this messy. Do you live with your own work? Not really. I think it would be too weird. Mm -hmm. It would like be bringing someone... Imagine if you went home and just went, this someone I was just working with. <laughs> <laughs> Joyce, Joyce Pensato was like that. She was the eraser, wasn't she? She mm. was known for erasing her work mm. and then sort of painting over it mm. a lot. Mm. I think someone good did... Who was it? It might have been Rauschenberg... I think De Kooning's he, drawing. Was it De Kooning? He, De Kooning gave him a Did drawing he, with an and ink he rubber. rubbed it out. That's right. And then kept it. it as a blank piece Love of paper that. saying his drawing of De Kooning that I raised. That's yeah. brilliant, yes. isn't it? Yes. Rauschenberg's pretty Radical. amazing, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, Jasper Johns is still alive, which is yes. a big I know, we were surprise. talking about that. We were like, we should meet him. Yeah. He's amazing, Jasper Johns. So De you Kooning, were very... I like as well. Do you? Love De Kooning. Yeah, yeah. he built God, a yeah. sort of Well, your works are like, you have a De Kooning vibe. I And Carol Appel is amazing. I was just about to say Carol Appel. So the Dutch artist. So... All what? the Cobra boys, all the... Uh, yeah. And the Cobra is Copenhagen, Brussels and Amsterdam. And yes. they're all the, the surrealist... Yeah. And how, how did that come to you? Like, where did you first hear about them? Weirdly, I found the Cobra movement quite late. And I think it was through Carol Appel, which Carol Appel is sort of amazing. I mean, he's probably the most commercial of all of those guys. Asker Jorn is probably the most mm -hmm. famous. And I think it was his little movement. Mm -hmm. It's funny, those movements, because you... You think they're so massive, and often they're just a three-year period in yeah. time, yeah. and then and they the all impact, went off. And the impact it has in is art like history yeah. so long. I yeah. think Jackson yeah. Pollock did all those paintings, those action paintings, in four years, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Everything else he did took twenty years. Yeah, yeah. And it's crazy. You think about Fauvism or Dada; they're just like fleeting moments. But they're, they say they're permanent now, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I did really want to make a short film about. Uh, maybe some sort of tournament, a five-side football tournament, but with only with art, artistic movements. So, oh, really? It's like the Surrealists playing the Fauves. Oh, my God. <laughs> or yeah, yeah. like Warriors. Have you seen the film Warriors? No. And they're all gangs of New York. I thought it'd be great to have oh, gangs. Oh, genius. Of like, like pop, pop artists, artists, the YBAs. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Amazing. Just wandering around at night just <laughs> in gangs. It'd be amazing. Have the you ever seen the... There's weird. a really amazing video of Asker Yuan painting. No. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing video. I'll it? get Russell to send it to you. It's, yeah, yeah. it's absolutely genius. There's an amazing film of him making paintings. It's He's really such a good artist. Artist. Yeah. And I love Dubuffet, of course. Oh, right. Would you say you was a surrealist? I mean, I guess so, in my life, probably. <laughs> Why is there reluctance, though, to say to Because claim I think that? it's one of those words that's banded around mm. uh, for anything that's weird, you know, and which mm. is lazy journalism. It's not anything to do with the surrealists, were amazing. And I, I love the um, uh, film Sal Salvador Dali did mm. with. Um, What's his name? The other guy. can't remember his name. He did on Chandelou and uh, uh, all those films. That guy went on to be a successful um, oh, filmmaker. I'm going to find name. it. Hang on. I've gone blank. But um, I like, uh, I love the Surrealists. I love, I think. Well, the Andalusian dog. Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. That's so it's Louis. Louis, Louis Bumwell. Yeah. He's an amazing Surrealist filmmaker. But I really, um, I really like 
I love what the Surrealists stood for, you know, and I think they were amazing. But I sort of feel like it was so powerful that now things that aren't surreal are called, oh, that's surreal, you know, and it's like a sort of weird word. An easy umbrella. Yeah, and I think it puts people off. I think, oh, I don't... Well, I think it became a negative thing as well, didn't it? Yeah, and I think in comedy it was tricky because people would go, oh, it's just surreal, doesn't write a proper joke. I feel bad now because that's how I introduced you. No, it's fine, I like it. whole talk. I've gone through that negativity. What other ways are there to describe that kind of... I don't know. I just think it's other worlds somehow. There's something of like... Avant-garde, is it? It's not like... Or dreams, dreamscapes. Magic. We didn't know what Dream we diaries. were, really. We used to say it was sort of magical realism because it was Magical real. realism. Because Julian didn't like surreal. He was like, it's not surreal. Nothing, you know, it's not anything. It's like just... shamanistic comedy. It, it, it's like <laughs> some sort of like conjuring of other worlds. Well, you know there is what? something dreamlike, though, about the Mighty Bush. <clears throat> gotcha. There is something like you've gone I to think sleep I'm and that's more surreal what you're watching. Yeah, it's Peter Julian. Pan quality, half asleep, half awake. I think Julian thought we worked very, very hard on the plots and to make it make sense, it had, so it would have its own internal logic. Right. That was the idea. So right, it wasn't right, right. just saying things for the sake of them. Whereas when I think I did luxury comedy, I was trying to put two disparate elements together to create a star. I can't remember who said that, but I remember Terry Jones and Monty Python talking about it. It was someone famous, a philosopher. When two disparate elements come together, they create a star. That was the idea. And I think that's what uh, juxtaposition is. And I think Vic and Bob do that the best, probably, in comedy. Mm-hmm. And they do it for the sake of it. So those sparks are just the sparks of, you know, whatever it is, putting a leak near a, <laughs> I don't know, spirit Radiator. level. Yeah. <laughs> just so, it's hard to do as well. It's a skill. I was talking to Bob Mortimer, Mortimer about it. And there's this famous surrealist painting, of the meeting of a, an umbrella and um, a sewing machine on an operating table. It's a famous oh, wow. thing. And it's, they're such disparate elements. It's brilliant. But that's what Vic and Bob do really well. Yeah. Bob was saying it's hard to do yeah, that. Yeah, you know? yeah. But people just think it's easy. You just say anything. Yeah. It doesn't really work like that. Um, famously, I had a sort of argument, a tiff with Simon Amstel on Fuzzcox, where he said, oh, you just put things together. And he said, you know, a That's motorbike right. near some tinsel or something. And I said, a motorbike made of jealousy. Jealousy. So it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Simon. I think he's brilliant. And yeah. he was only ribbing me. You know? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it, it, there is a skill to that. He said scissors of glitter, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, two, two shiny things and two That's scissors right. of glitter. It's got the same sort of yeah. phonetics. There's, that was never going to work. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing because I think you train yourself to be able to put those random elements together in your mm. head before they come out. Mm. It's a weird thing, that. But um, I think I'm probably more keen on that stuff. Julian was much more... He loves story, Jim. He's obsessed with story. So it's always a story. You've got to be a story. You know, Crack Fox is great or uh, old Greg, but why? Why do we meet him, you know? Right, Which right. is brilliant. I yeah. think John Cleese was like that. He would always mm. say, great image, but why? You know, we can, make it more, we can make it more powerful if we're going on a fishing weekend and Julian gets captured by this creature and I have to rescue him. That's a story then. And, you know, and you still get all the great bits with old Greg and the light coming out of his mangina. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just unforgettable. What yeah. does Julian think of your art? He likes, do you know what? Julian? Does he have any? I don't know. I think he does from old Bush days probably. But I think he he's very... I saw him the other day and I said I was trying to write and it was really difficult. And he said, oh, I've given up on writing. It's so hard. As in, I'm going to have a break for a bit because he was trying to write uh, several things. And I said, why is it so hard? And I think it was because the world we created together was so... Um, it happened organically and it was so uh, realised that anything we wanted to do in it we could do because mm. we built all the surrounding, the cushioning, the whole, you know, so say the magic record player idea, I know how we would do it 
you know, it's a great idea. We'd be arguing about what record to go in. And he'd be going, we're going in a jazz record. And I'd be going, no way. We're going in, you know, a punk record. And he'd be going, we are not going in the undertones or whatever it's like. So I know we'd be arguing and he would end up in one of my records and I'd end up in one of his and we'd meet and have to get out for (laughs) country and western or reggae or whatever. And um, you sort of know how that would work strangely because you know and it would probably be Naboo that would rescue us you know and he would know about how to get in the you know back it he'd have to find there's a map for all these worlds inside of <laughs> so I think the problem is is whenever me and June try and write something now and we're not we did so much work together we have to build that whole world again with different people mm. and it's never quite there was a real magic to just me and him being. But would you there. reconnect again then? And we always talk about it. Maybe you could reconnect through the record player. <laughs> Maybe that's the new. <laughs> yeah. Or your the pocket. New, the new journey. Or my pocket. Yeah. Your pocket, pocket is the record player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So but he. Like a... Anyway, I saw him and he said that, and then he said, "But just do your paintings. I'm really enjoying that." And I said, "Oh, thanks." And you know. He's very supportive, Jen. He likes my stand-up That's as well. Great. He's like, do some stand-up. It's great. So how does it feel to put on an exhibition in the sense of like revealing yourself or the nerves or the judgment that you're going to receive from the world? Is it different to you standing on stage in front of an audience at the Apollo and doing a stand-up? Or you know what I mean? Like, is it does it differ to your other creative life? I'll tell you what's good about having an exhibition is that you walk into your studio and you go, I can't show that. That's definitely going in. I'm not sure about that. Needs you just have this thing that kicks in as you probably know with writing when you actually go to give a script in or to make it you go get rid of that get rid of that that's brilliant you just suddenly your editing process kicks in in such a harsh way right. that it doesn't when you're just doing it for yourself or putting things on in- instagram you don't really care you sort of your your um standards are lower because suddenly when you go oh this is an exhibition i've got to make sure it's all the best stuff and it's really good you have to which you wouldn't do why would you you can't live your life like that would be too intense yeah so it does make you edit your work or look at what you're trying to say or mm. put a collection together that you think about what things you're going to show. I guess he has to intellectualise the, yeah, auto, the automatic or the natural. And you should feel a pride for everyone that works. Yeah, so you, when you can, you can talk about it rather than feeling like there's a, a black spot in the room. That's what it'd feel like for me if I had a painting I wasn't really yes. into. I might be like, oh, I don't want to go over there. I don't want that what a- Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com What, what about storytelling yeah. through doing an exhibition? Do you, do you think about how works do, relate actually. to each other? Or? I've just sort of done this weird, I don't know what it is, I did these sort of weird drawings of me as the sort of the character I was in the Bush Spence and then David Bowie as Ziggy Stardust. So in having these sort of weird space adventures and they're slightly sort of, uh, I don't even know, what it's like quite innocent. They're sort of holding your hands, or looking at this crazy volcano of a face and floating through. I thought this is quite interesting, but this feels like a story or it could be who are these characters and who are the other characters in this i need to know i sort of wanted to know myself i was yeah. like some narrative was showing itself yeah, yeah i yeah. thought oh maybe i should do 
an exhibition. The next one should have a narrative and a theme. And uh, a, you know, again, I'm doing what I always do. I'm trying to build a world. Again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to build a world of these two people that are flying around space and yeah. meeting talking volcanoes. And it's like <laughs> I can't. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's an illness. Help me. <laughs> and were, you, were you like this from a young, from being a young child? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> from being, I was when, being a when little were, young child. When you were a little young child. When I you were a small little young child. I was, uh, <laughs> I was um, definitely. I think I was actually. My mum and dad. I didn't remember, but my mum and dad said you used to spend ages building worlds. You know, building so strange. I was into. I was into the Hobbit as well. I think for a little oh, bit, but right. I found it quite. I didn't find it that funny, and I was slightly annoyed me about The Hobbit. I always thought it could be funnier. It wasn't quite funny enough for me, but I did like the world of it. Right. And I think I like the maps. I was always drawn to those places yeah, where there's maps. Tolkien's maps. Are well, amazing. like the Game of Thrones. Yeah. I always watch the credits at the beginning. Yeah. Do you watch Game of bit. Thrones? Which Because it always changes. And there's that, oh, there's that world that doesn't exist more. That city's been demolished. But they the credits always quite are up to date. And normally you'd fast forward some things. But that one, I was always like, you just, it's something about that. Because it's that Tolkienistic map. It's like Quantum Leap. Yes. You see in the credit sequence of one you haven't seen. Yes. Like, What's yes. that one? Well, where yeah, he's yeah, dressed yeah. like he's in Kiss, the band. And I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. seen that. <laughs> got to see that one you know they put one in that they haven't made I you go, what? what I know I liked all of those worlds I don't know why I think I like children I think probably a product of my times my time in Julian as well we probably liked Mr. Ben Jamie and the Magic Torch um, all those 70s weird yeah. surreal children's animations that were probably 70s was probably a fallout from the 60s and like the Loch Ness like, Monster. Did you ever watch that one with yeah. the penny thistle whistles? And yes. They would just whistle for the Loch Ness Monster would come up and they had the whole family. And, and it just... seemed to be lots of portals and magical worlds yes. in the 70s and escape. I think I'm always trying to get out of this world. What? I'm always trying to get out of this world. I think I'm always trying to the get away world. from this world. Yeah. yeah. I've always find it too bleak and too Trump and Brexit and oh, it's all so heavy. So is that like a survival mechanism maybe? I think or I'd protection just, thing. Or, you know. Yeah, create other worlds and imagine and live thought. in the imagination. Yeah, because world. you yeah. edit a world that you're making, you don't It's very innocent. So yeah. Innocent what you create as well. There's never any yeah. sort of macabre, dark like violence no. or threatening I think ominous thing. There's stuff. There's characters in there that are obviously a bit creepy or pervy. Yeah, but even example, they are but, like funny. But they're, yeah, they're not. But they're not going to. There's no vi- We ha- found it quite hard to show violence in the mm. bush. We were like, well, you couldn't really have a knife in the bush. It's weird. I think at one point, Rich Fortune was dressed as this character he used to do, of this lady that fancied Julian, and he shot the hitcher. I think, but the hitcher. Had- oh no, he shot Julian. I think, but Julian. No, he shot the hitcher and the hitcher had a... We did that joke, you know, when there's a Bible or something in the way and the bullet doesn't go for or a tin of cigarettes. Yeah. But we did it with an elbow patch because Julian <laughs> sold it to the hitcher as the most durable elbow patch in the world. He's going, you get a bullet for it. You can't get a bullet for it. And he bought it and at the end he got shot and I think that saved his life. So... God, it was hard to set that up without making it look like someone was going <laughs> to get... Yeah. <laughs> because Julian would wear elbow patches, it was okay. So again, you're writing it from the character's point of view. Julian would love an elbow patch. And I'd go, you look like a supply teacher. What are you wearing elbow patches for? And he'd go, these are, but not just regular elbow patches. These are, you know, durable. These, you know, you can't even, lightning wouldn't go through one of these. So we would have an argument and it would feel natural. And then later on, it would have some sort of callback, I think. Um, 
I can't even remember why I was telling that story to tell another story that I forgot. Because then we're getting away from this world, talking about getting away from this world, and also about, about, about violence, being violence, not being nice. That was the violence. Yeah. About the closest we came to having violence. I, there was a character it. you had who had the really big thumb. Yeah, that's the hitcher. That's the hitcher. Yeah. yeah. So the hitcher used he to was go violent. silent sometimes and would be quite menacing. Well, he said, I think, oh, I think he might. That's have said probably to the Julian, darkest place. I'll stab you in the gums and be screwed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even that was quite funny. He often used to go too dark, and Julian would go. No, you're not doing that. Oh my god! Because on live on stage, I'd play him, and there's lots of improvising. And live, we went darker because it's more, you know, live. It's yeah, like yeah. stand up. It yeah, you need that shock factor on more stage blue, somehow. somehow. Well. Mm-hmm. But we were always conscious of not because we weren't that. We didn't represent that, so mm-hmm. we were always conscious of not going too dark. Mm-hmm. Does it annoy you um, if people try and put you? in a box in the sense of in the sense of like you are this Physically. and therefore stay, stay yeah. as that you know what I mean because I feel like you've crossed so many worlds even especially the, strangers it was yeah. like you this how, box yeah. you notice how I'm just continuing yes. regardless of this box that you've been put into go on um what am I trying to say? I've forgotten. Are you, does you find frustrating when people put me in a box? Yeah, do you find it annoying that like people want to try and describe who you are and then pin you down when in fact... Because you, know, you yeah. do Bake Off now, which is a very mainstream thing, so you've kind of become like a national treasure. Then you've done the comedy. Then you've done the writing. Then you've done you know, all these different tricky. elements to you. And then being an artist. How would you, how would you want to describe Well, yourself? I think it might be a problem for the art world. They might go, oh, you're known for something already, so it's tricky to come in fresh, you know? Some people have made that leap. Uh, Don Van Vliet, who was Captain Beefheart, his paintings are beautiful. And he was with the Michael Werner Gallery. And he, oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, he had lots of exhibitions. I've actually bought one of his paintings, which I'm very happy about. Mm. And um, I don't know him at all. His stuff's beautiful. It's really good. Bowie did art. Yeah, Bowie was good. Lots of people, I mean, in a weird way, it's not that diff- It's not that unusual to express yourself um, visually. visually if you're a songwriter or... I mean, some people don't. Some Julian was more about words and music, and I was probably more about visuals. You know, it's sort of it's funny. Some people have just made, but his dad is a teacher, which is quite interesting. His dad's an art teacher, so I don't know. I guess it's some people are more comfy writing something to express themselves, and some people want to show you what they mean, which is why stand up's quite interesting because stand up you're really describing things you can describe anything so some stand up's quite boring it's set in real for me it's quite boring it's set in real life and, and that stuff can be brilliant as well you know Seinfeld's amazing he's a genius of just observation but I was always quite interested when people take you on a real journey like someone like Stuart Lee would take you mm. you know would talk about something you'd be going where's this going and where I am now which I loved wow. you know or there were you know Eddie Izzard did it really well when he first started he was brilliant at painting pictures and you know suddenly you're on the Serengeti and he's you know being raised by wolves which is an amazing piece of stand-up yeah because it's all in the description and the detail of yeah. him hanging out with loads of wolves yeah and what he looks like and you know they were driving a car because <laughs> he couldn't keep up with them and it's like there's something beautiful about that because it's it's barely being held up it's like a zeppelin it's like it's only being held up by everyone's imagination in that room and his descriptive powers and it can you can burst it so easily, which is why it's hard to make those pieces of stand-up in clubs because they're much more rowdy and there's much more... Um, those things are quite delicate to build and construct and they take a long time, you know, to it's hone down. It's more theatrical, down. isn't it? It's more like a, a monologue. Yeah, and they can be... I remember doing a gig at the um, Albert Hall and Peter Kay was hosting it and it was for Teenage Cancer Trust, I think, and I remember doing this whole massive long routine 
and I just got to the end of it and it needed the punchline. It didn't make any sense. It was like a long rambling story that people <laughs> were in. What has it going this? And someone heckled me just before. And it was like a 10 minute piece and it just killed it. And I remember coming off and going, oh, it was like, it was Oof. the worst point that someone could into. No, because yeah. it just then felt like you were just doing rambling, nonsensical stories. And there was, there was a really good punchline, but it didn't work. Oh, oh no! Oh, that's you know that's comedy. That's how it works. You live and die by every gig, and you can't keep those things if you can't. When it's a really good gig, there's no way of even if you film it, there's no way of really um, preserving yeah. what you did. Yeah, the energy of it. Sometimes the gigs just have a magical. Well, you have a audience... good show, and then someone comes the next night, and you're like, you should have been here last night because the show last night was fucking great. And the yeah. audience just feel like it's the same. The audience has the yeah. same experience, and, and they that's... all leave, don't they? Knowing they've seen something special to them. Yeah, yes. I think they feel like in that your head. Some... You're like, and some people come back one night. You're like, oh, you was in, brilliant. And other nights they come back. You're like, oh shit, hi, yes. how are you? It wasn't really good tonight. Sort of like it was better. It's, yeah, it's, it's you also because your interaction with one. the audience, isn't it? Like yeah. the other people's experience, you feel that it's yeah. an energy. Like it's, it's an, an energy yeah. that's in the room. Yeah, yeah. it's a really instinct, rare thing. Yeah. You're trying yeah. to create that as well in the beginning. You're trying to get everyone on. Julian used to say it's like a boat that you're trying to get everyone on a barge. And, you know, uh, I suppose it's the same with painting and art. You're trying to get everyone on. And he's like, sometimes you're like, come on, get aboard my comedy journey. Mm. And then sometimes you get, you know, everyone jumps on and you all go off and have this great adventure. And other times you turn, he said, you're on your barge and you turn around, there's just three people there. <laughs> everyone else is on the shore going, see ya. <laughs> they didn't get aboard. So then yeah, when yeah. you do it, there's not enough people there to make it work. The thing that's so great about that as well is that you can't that you have to go out of your front door and go into the world to experience things like that. Yeah. And I also think that's what's so special about art and you have to actually go and look at it and leave yeah. the house. Like you can't just live through your iPhone and Instagram to experience it and you can't just watch a video back of it. You it need to be in the room with yes. the painting or with the stand up or with the music maybe or all these things like you, that's what's so special and that's why I think we'll all it, it, this won't take over the iPhone or the no. telephone it won't really it conquer everything because you need to have that do you go to galleries a lot? Like, yeah because they don't really work on phone I don't think where are your like, galleries you love going to? wow I mean in New York I love the Guggen I mean I yeah, love yeah. Ah, there's lots of good ones but I remember the first time I saw I, I really liked Jean-Michel Basquiat I don't know how I knew about him at art school because he wasn't very in at that point mm. there was a I think recent. I mean, I would say weirdly, Jean-Michel Basquiat and Lee Bowery are probably the two most influential artists of the last twenty years oh, in yeah. terms of everyone mm. being influenced by them. And you know, Still. magazine covers mm. and artists. I mean, there's so much Basquiat, sub Basquiat stuff on the internet. It's hard to get through it all, you know. But um, and he was influenced by probably Debuffet and probably Cy Twombly, who I really like as mm. well. Mm. And I don't know if you knew about the Cobra movement. I've never heard him say that but he was quite tricky as well I think when someone said your stuff's like Debuffet he just went I don't know who that is yeah exactly I was going to say I don't think Basquiat would always reveal I think he his, said that was a long time ago but then also there's a really brilliant reviewer who said that Basquiat could walk around with a Cy Twombly book but the way it came out on his canvas he was using that to fuel his own work mm. and it, he would create something as good or better yeah. so it wasn't like he wasn't scared of going I'll take a bit of this because no, no, it would no. always come through his process yeah. and be his own but all but, great artists do they look at what's been before don't they you and have to I think they encourage you, yourself forwards I went to an, a gallery in New York and it was just there was one basket painting in there and, it, and me and my girlfriend at the time went along we knew there was this one painting it was near the Chelsea Hotel and we were staying at Chelsea Hotel and I'd just done the Melbourne Comedy Festival things. So we flew to New York have a little holiday or something and we walked there 
and uh, we were quite naive. We were probably like 25 or something. And we, I think we walked there through quite a dodgy bit of New York that we shouldn't have. And it was a bit scary for a while. Anyway, we got to this gallery <laughs> and there was just one basket in there. And uh, we'd had a weird experience anyway because it was a bit dodgy part of New York. We were like, oh, have we come down the wrong block? I don't know. And, um, and we got there. And both of us burst into tears when we saw it because really? we liked his stuff so much, but we'd never seen it in real You'd life. You'd never seen anyone in the flesh, right? And we both cried, and I wow. wasn't expecting that ever. I just couldn't believe how it looked like. I don't know what it looked like. It looked like New York. It looked like musical. It looked like it was moving. It looked like um, I just couldn't really believe it. And I just, I, we both cried and we were both like, wow, oh my God. wasn't expecting that. I mean, you know, you cry maybe in a play, you cry in. Uh, a film, you know, salt music obviously makes you cry a lot. Yeah. But you don't expect to stand in front of a painting and cry. That was your Rothko moment. It was so crazy. So many people have programmed so that you cry in front of a Rothko. Yeah. And so then I've always been sat there in front of Rothko's going like, come on. Come on in. Thank I'm not really feeling anything. But then there's another artist I discovered called Ad Reinhardt. Oh, I don't know if you know him, who works in the same sort of colour field. Yeah. And I remember when, and I'd never even heard of him, or he was peripheral, peripheral. Yeah. And when I saw them works, I was literally completely moved. And oh, I was right. like, and it's just colours. Overwhelmed. Playing into colours. But I was like, oh, this is what, this is the Rothko feeling then that I, I've been told I should have. I think um, paintings to have that impact have to be so great because yeah. if you think of a movie, the, the script can actually really direct you into yeah. feeling happy, into feeling the this. Music, the, music, yeah, the music. It's all so kind of, there's so many senses being triggered by it. But with yeah. a painting, it's actually just in front yeah. of you. And it you can easily be manipulated with anything else. But yeah. you've just got a flat object in front and of you. And I think you have just... to be, it has to be quite a pure emotion. Yeah. It's what, you know, that idea of that, direct contact to the soul mm. and there's nothing more powerful than that when it works I mean the greats are usually greats for a reason that, yeah uh, you know a Matisse it's difficult when you see Matisse's it's difficult to, the colours are so beautiful and they're so pretty they're so gorgeous there's, you want to live in that world. Yeah. And he's just got such a light touch. He never overdoes anything. He's never. Yeah, when you go really close up, you can literally yeah. just see, you're like, he's never so overworked. Yeah, no. He just goes, da da da. Well, I bet he did and he destroyed him. Yeah. You know, there's so much of that work. And Picasso has that heavyweight, you've been punched. You know, they have a real, they have real guts to them. You just go, wow. Like they're, they're not as pretty, but they're so strong, Picasso. They're so difficult to argue with when you go. In front, stand in front of them. You just mm. know, and Dali, you know, in a weird way, beautiful sort of technique and amazing ideas yeah. for the time. It's hard to imagine that there weren't loads of surreal films and surreal stuff around mm. when they were doing that. And Magritte, I love because Magritte's sort of a little. Is bit... Magritte the one with the? Is that when they had the meeting between the toaster and the umbrella? I mean, or that sounds like, like a Magritte, Magritte doesn't it? Yeah. It's got to be Magritte, <laughs> more like a poet, really, in paint, you know, and sort of a young girl, seven-year-old girl eating a bird or quite disturbing images yes. or that giant apple in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like, also but, a real element of theatre and uh, yeah. theatricality and kind of like cabaret performances. You can imagine all of that somehow fed into it. Yes. I remember I grew up with... Um, I've said this a few times on the podcast, kind of getting a bit boring now, but anyway, I grew up with Uri Geller, the guy who bent spoons, <laughs> and um, I went to school with his You would have kids. loved that. You would have loved a childhood I, with you. Yeah, exactly. So I, I grew up visiting the house and there would be like a car no with his bent spoons on. Do you know what I mean? But he knew Salvador Dali oh, in the 70s he? New York. And he said that Dali was fascinated by the idea that he could bend spoons, but also the fact he couldn't wear a watch because Uri can't wear a watch right. because it will go weird. Like it won't work. Probably. Really? So the whole bending clocks thing 
that's kind of like they used to have big Soft conversations about it. Yeah. But what I think is interesting is that Dali was open to talking to Uri about this kind of. Do you know what I mean? He was fascinated by Uri, yeah. and you would never think of Uri Geller and Salvador Dali. No. But like there was this genuine friendship there, I was which I think is really interesting. By Uri Geller, when I was yeah, a me kid. too. And it was kind of a great thing to be around because I met him when I was about eleven or something, twelve, he's, and he was a sort of magical. As well, and he really it? believes it's in himself. He's a real showman, isn't he? But he believes in it, and he came to my house once, bent my christening spoon, you know, all this kind of weird shit. Like, but he was really a great person. So to be offensive to do that. And he met my mum. My mum was really. <laughs> my mum was like half smiling through her teeth. She was like, "That was Rob's christening spoon." You know, it meant a lot to her. Hilarious. And he just but, bent um, it. The thing I learned from him though was, was there... about positive mental thinking. If he didn't want to bend the spoon, like if he was having a yogurt, do they always? <laughs> 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 did he no like, charge over it. Like, oh, another spoon. Just eat everything with a fork. The weirdest thing yeah. that I experienced was he Plastic used to make fork. me. He would make us like sit on one side of the room, so it'd be my mum on one side of the room, me on the other, and he'd say, "Both of you draw a picture." We both draw the same. I don't know. Say, I'm just giving Image. you an example. Say it was a car. We would both draw the same car missing a window or something, and then we'd both draw it. And then, and then he at the end would be like, he would draw what you were drawing or something. It was really weird. Ooh. So he would make that happen. And I just don't understand. It was real. I just don't get it. It's mm. totally weird. But the thing he really made me believe, so whether it's real or not, he believed in himself and he had this incredible self-belief that he would teach you and be. he was kind of a mentor to me yeah. in self-belief. Yeah. And it took me a long time and it's only in maybe recently that I'm getting to that point of really believing in myself. Like, it's a really hard thing to achieve and he had that from a really young age, that, and do you think that, that self-belief. It, I always thought he was quite positive whenever he was on those shows. He is though. The way that he talks is so... Um... Passionate. He's like really passionate. Yeah, it's it's prime for sending up. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you. I think maybe Brian Laurie did a. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Sketch. Which he would have loved though. He found it all hilarious. He never took himself seriously. That's the other. He took himself seriously, but he also saw the funny side of it yeah, and didn't he, mind if people's ended it up that much. That's kind of fascinating. He was a mate, isn't great it? guy. He knew like John Lennon. Wow, Uri Geller. Mm. Uri Geller. Sorry, yeah. I've called him Uri. Uri. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how. Anyway, we ask every guest that comes on. Did you, were you raised by Uri Geller? <laughs> no, <laughs> not raised. No, like I met Mowgli, him in my teens in a sort of urban no. Mowgli situation. He definitely helped me to um, <laughs> to. He helped my early music career. I love the idea of people being raised by people. It's, that was my favourite story. I think is the Jungle Book. Mm. I just love the idea. I always wanted to do a sort of spin-off from the Jungle Book, where it was like a sort of. Um, exchange program so there's a wolf living with a sort of family a sort of normal ordinary family in Peckham wow. <laughs> so there's Mowgli happening in the jungle but there's also a wolf in Dulwich just having a bad time <laughs> trying to fit in with normal children to be honest like, though I think that's actually happening with foxes because there's a fox in my friend's house in Peckham who lives in their garden and he literally just owns the garden now and in the summer you'll be having like a garden party and he just sits Murray. there no he just sits there lying there he looks at everyone like yeah you yes. got a problem? This yeah, is my one. area. What are you doing? Like, doesn't even run off anymore. I mean, it's come kind in. of so that's kind of actually happening. Yeah, my mum and dad foxes. The foxes come in in their house now into the what? kitchen. What? Yeah, no, they do more and more and more. They're getting really confident. And there was one when I was living I in Hampstead a few years ago. Used day. to like stop on the street. <laughs> 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 so we ask every guest if you could take an artwork home, do an art heist, and steal an artwork. Um, we will help you with like cranes, Shipping. vans, rockets, anything you need Packing, to make storage. it happen for you. What artwork would you take home? Wow. It could be a touchstone artwork as well, something you return to time and time again. It can be any artwork. Well, that's, yeah. That's my favourite painting. It's investigative journalism. So many, so many. Are you feeling the pressure? I'd take any of Basquiat's, any of them. 
I just love, I think they would always make me happy wherever I... Did you see the Barbican show? Yeah, I, do you know what? I know, I don't want to diss the Barbican. No, 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 I, I wasn't into that show, weirdly. I thought it was more about him. Yeah. Like Fisher-Price, my first basket. I agree. Oh, it was, it was, it was very like they were introducing didactic. People, which is fine. Yeah. But I think for the hardcore basket fans, we were going oh, a bit more work and less about... Also, I think the wall colours and everything, they, they sort of made it very like, intense. Mm. And it was all a bit, I just didn't relate what to it. painting works much. against grey? Yeah. I mean, you would never put one of your paintings against grey. It's yeah. such a hard colour mm. to sort of... Because he uses a lot of white in his paintings. And, you know, I mean, his stuff on white walls or black walls looks amazing. Grey is odd. It's like... Oh. Is there one basket of painting you love most, can you think? Oh, man. All his early stuff. I mean, yeah. from, you know, the early... I think his first show with Anna Nose, or whatever she's called. I think it's Anna Nose. I think that whole exhibition was... There was not a weak painting mm. in that 1981 show, I think it was. Yeah. I think as he got... Uh, I think he got a bit more frantic, maybe with the drugs and what was happening to him and the fame towards the end. And the colours started going a bit weird and mm. started using collages. It looked more fractured. Like yeah. His brain looked more fractured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what that is. I mean, the bush is pretty much me and Gene and what, all our influences as children and young young gay boys. And uh, <laughs> what did you call yourself? A young, a young child. Gay child. child. Love that. And, um, <laughs> but I think as we got a bit older and it all got a bit hectic and crazy... And I think when the Bush finished and I did luxury comedy, it was quite splintered by that point. And the vision was getting darker and more fractured. It's like a fractured mental state, isn't it? quite uncomfortable with luxury comedy, which is fine. I mean, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. And there's bits I really liked from it. But I guess you had to. I think well, I was so. in a funny place when yeah. I did that. And it yeah. shows. And I think with Basquiat, the later work, it shows. Right. He was obviously coming apart a little bit. I quite liked his fridge. Did you remember the fridge that he took fridge, over? Yeah. That would be pretty cool to have. Oh, yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Would you use it? <laughs> uh, Russell would not use it. No. You would totally fetishise <laughs> no, it. Totally and you'd probably you move it a lot, around a your house. You own lots. Not yeah. really so no, but yes, no. No. You own lots. But he definitely move, he would move that fridge from his bedroom to the bathroom to the kitchen. Every lot. day it, it you'd go to his house, it'd be in a different place. He cannot keep his art collection in one place. I'm always just curating. It's itinerant. Is that the word? Like where it just constantly travels. Is it like a gallery your house? Because yeah. mine was a bit until I sort of had a child and now it's like a so what do you toy li- shop. What do you live with? You live with a lot of art? Yeah. And do you buy a lot of art? Yeah, lots. Yeah. Like, like what? I've got a... Um... I've got a Don Van Vliet painting, which I bought after the Bush tour. It's the only time I had any money. This is Captain Beefheart. Yeah. 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 So I bought one of his paintings. And uh, I've got some sculptures. I've got some really nice sculptures of two baboons that as you come down a corridor. I've got lots of paintings, actually. I've got... I Oh, I really like... Um, uh, I mean, I'd love to... There's lots of painting I can't afford, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the stuff you really want is really difficult. I've got a drawing from Damien Hurst when I did a... Have you? Yeah, he did me a, a skull drawing. And, oh, wow. Which is nice. Um, I can never remember when I think about it. I've got lots of art, though. Um, a Spanish sculptor called Sagasta. Um, these big toadstools. Another sculpture oh, wow. that I've got. I've got some where do, where do you find things? Do you see them in galleries or...? When you're travelling with yeah. your work. Or... It's harder to justify when you've got, you know, a family. And yeah, of course. And go, yeah. I'm just going to spend this much money on mm-hmm. a Did you ever buy art. things to kind of commemorate something? Or, or like, if you were on tour, would you take something from that tour if you were filming somewhere? A little over? bit, yeah. I've got a mark, I've got a great notebook that was Mark Boland's. That was a poem. You? Yeah, that was a poem about an alien turning up in Holland Park, a blue alien. Um, that could I be bought, a description of you. I bought the 
Pat Mark bought, Boland's poetry. Yeah, I bought one of his notebooks for that home in it. How did you and, find that? Well, the guy that wrote a book about him was selling it, and I said I'd love to buy it, and he drove it down from wherever he lived wow. and said, "Oh, Mark would love your flat. It's exactly like his flat." <laughs> That, wow. that is a time like portal right there. That's like a connection from the How ghost. How do you keep that safe? Well, it's weird. I don't know what to do with it. I don't want to sort of display it because it's a bit odd. It's yeah. like, hey, look, I don't know. This feels like something a bit weird. So I try to keep it yeah, sort of safe. What a wonderful but thing. I don't ever really know what to do with it, but it's yeah. nice to have. Oh I often God. get it out when I'm drunk, which is terrible when your friends are <laughs> around you. Look at this. And then the next day you go, oh my God. Just covered in red wine. <laughs> all over it. The other question we ask all of our guests, Noel, is what is your favourite colour? Wow. That's a good question. Uh, for painting, it's different. My favourite colour, I like blues. I like blue um, as a colour. But not in. It's blue is tricky in painting. Actually, I use quite a lot of yellow in painting, which is quite unusual. I think Van Gogh used a lot of yellow. Mm. I think Some it's flowers. the color of madness, which is slightly worrying. Really? Yeah. Apparently, it's quite a crazy color. Um, in life, I'd say blue. In painting, pinks and oranges are really nice. There are some colors that you just don't go near. Purple's so hard. Brown's so hard to manipulate. It's an unruly beast. <laughs> brown. I mean, to make browns look good, mm -mm -mm. so difficult. And certain colours just won't go together. And purples and greens go quite nicely together. Mm. I mean, I, I'm, I mean, my art teacher, well, I was colourblind, one of my art teachers, because I use so bright, such bright colours. I'm like, do you want to use these colours so brightly? And I was like, yeah, because I love colour. So it makes me happy. I mean, you Dame, like vibrant. Yeah, and Damien Hurst said to colours. me that he likes, I love this quote, he said to me, uh, I like colours more than I like people. Oh, like wow. a good orange is better than anyone I've ever met. And I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> that, is, that is great, actually. Have you seen David Hurst's new paintings? They're yeah. quite beautiful. Yeah. The cherry blossom trees. Yeah. I like his spots of colour. I love them. I love to spot paint Because he yeah. said it's the simplest way to put colour across. Yeah. And he and loves colour. Yeah, they're gorgeous, yeah. aren't they? they I'd like to own one of those. Yeah. I could probably get one if I asked Damon. Or I, could, I know at least where he lives, so I could break in. We Are could you friends with a lot of artists? Not really. No, I wish I... Oh, maybe. To, I know Tim and Sue a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. I mean, yeah. to say hello to Website. I used yeah. to know them. Yeah, I used to live... When I lived in East London, yeah, I used yeah. to go... To, I've been to parties and stuff like that. I met Kenneth Anger, who's an amazing filmmaker, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one of their parties, and that was quite exciting. Wow. They're quite interesting. I do know quite a few artists, actually. Um... I'm starting to make friends on the internet with lots of artists, up and, up and coming artists. On Instagram, it's, it's easy to do that, isn't it? Yeah, really and then fun. you chat to them and they yeah. say, oh, what are you up to? I like this painting you did. Or you go, oh, I love this. And doing art swaps with lots of people. Really? Like, That's so nice. Yeah. I love Sidney Nolan, actually. He's one of my favourite painters. Okay, great. So I'd love one of his Ned yeah. Kelly paintings. Ooh. He's Australian, isn't he? Yeah, I'd love his... He one. does, like, the landscapes. Yeah. And you have, like, the that Ned Kelly... series of Ned Kelly with just a sort with of... The like square a, head? Or... Yeah, like a square... Square box. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really yeah. beautiful, yeah. his stuff. He's a gorgeous painter. Yeah. Like, he's one of my favourite painters as wow. well. Um, and on, funny enough, uh, Henri Rousseau, again, the jungle thing. Yes, like jungle, but Henri Rousseau. Yeah. I have these sort of panels in my house that hide half of the house. So there's rooms behind, like secret panels, and they're on sort of sliding things. And it's the Rousseau jungle painting. What, the, in the rain with the tiger yeah. hiding from the rain? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and that sort of woman, weirdly on a couch, sort of, as a naked woman, sort of on a sofa. Like, like a chaise longue or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Something. yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. a bit like Amy Winehouse. It's sort of quite uh, an odd. 
Because <laughs> yeah, he used yeah. to go to the botanical gardens, I think, and paint stuffed tigers and and copy drawings of the plants and then recreate his own jungles. Oh, um, really? Yeah, and weirdly, Dexter is quite similar to Henri Rousseau because he's making collages of places he's never been to. Yeah. Like the Queen Mum's bedroom or... I always remember the Kurt Cobain's bedroom Greenhouse, or yeah. Oh, Greenhouse. Yeah. I love that work. That's well, my favourite really Dexter doll work. Evocative, and he made they? a print of it, which was really yeah. genius because I, I never actually got it. I should have got it. Well, they're really evocative print. because they're what you imagine would be there, which is, I think, what me and Julian tried to do is if you're going to the arctic tundra then what would we want from the arctic tundra we definitely want a polar bear we definitely want mm. ice flows we definitely right. want and there'd be some northern lights or something igloo. yeah the northern lights would be so you're basically creating a picture of all the things that you want from it and you don't worry about any of the stuff you're not that bothered about right so it would definitely be some tent jokes and the snowball fights you know it's the stuff that it's almost like a kid's version mm. of what they imagine yeah would be like to be in the tundra you know um and that's a bit like Henri Rousseau. He'd never been to the jungles of India and he'd never... So he was building them out of um, things that he'd seen at the botanical gardens, mm. which I think is what Dexter does. He uses collage first, small collage, then paints from those. Mm. I've got a question for you. When it comes to titling your works, does a title come before you make the painting or afterwards? <laughs> Usually after. Because you look at that you don't know what you've painted. Do you know before you paint no, it? No, I right. wish I could. I, this is my big gripe with painting, and I think I'm going to have to resolve this if I want to get better, is that I do lots of sketches, and I would try and work up what I want to paint, and I can never quite... They always look like... Uh, worse versions than the sketches they don't have that sort of freedom or that immediacy, immediacy and yeah. so you go you've just scaled up a drawing that's what it looks like a technical exercise and so I end up painting something else and I haven't figured out how to just do a sketch of something you want to do and then make it a painting why don't you do the sketch as the painting without a sketch oh that's interesting yeah well this is how I work now and I but it's random well, like draw on the canvas well just don't have a pre-sketch just oh, yeah, whatever yeah, that yeah. is there that, and you go I want to recreate that or what about painting on paper yeah, that's true. Well, I don't know if this input's going to help. I've just got to say some I'm of your not, titles, though. Artist. We've got, like, Tropical Ghost. Uh, uh, people say Satan is evil, but he was always nice to me. Uh, <laughs> Angel of Death with Bag for Life. Oh, my God, now, now you're looking quite vulnerable. obsessed with that title. Angel of Death with Bag for Life. That's one of my... <laughs> I think that's one of my best paintings, actually. <sighs> absolutely love that title. I started painting, I was going to do a series of paintings of the Angel of Death, like one on him on a fold-up fold bike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> such a big character. I really wanted to do yeah. viewing up in Argos, you know, like just yeah, yeah. doing very Mundane. boring yeah, yeah. things, just, you know, yeah. defrosting a chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, some, of, some of your titles are very descriptive as well, like Cyclops looks for his pants under large rock. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that one everyone has sold. I never really um I never really um remember what I've called them. You have to call them something otherwise I notice how many of Basquiat's are called un or Keith Herring's are just untitled. Yes. Which is a little bit of a letdown. It's always upset when you see untitled. I'm always like that. What's the title of this? Untitled one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tiger with chlamydia shit off. <laughs> I'm sorry that's oh, a yeah, beautiful paint bu bubblegum sorry go on they're quite old those paints I think uh, Tiger Comedia shit off it, 
what it was, was a different kind of bacon. It's like uh, it's got chlamydia. I was doing wild animals with different diseases. So it's like trying to do a red panda with you know gonorrhea. Well, as you do. But the tiger was saying shit off because my friend who was Australian, Melvis, always just go shit off if something was quite crazy. But I said so once. I'm painting a tiger with chlamydia, and she went shit off. So I actually had a speech bowl with the tiger saying shit off, and then I I think I painted over it so you can barely see it. And you also paint a lot of your heroes then because you've you've painted Mick Jagger, Brian Ferry, Richard Pryor, the comedian. I used to. I think that's all quite old, that work. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I did used started. to do that. That's 2010 around then, wasn't I it? I find it hard. I find I sort of feel like to transcend that would be... I do like drawing likenesses. I'm quite good at drawing likenesses. I was you quite good at leave that all caricature behind. when I was right, a kid. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. So I was quite good at drawing... And Vic Rees is quite good at that. It's interesting yeah, 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 about that. Yeah. He's very good at drawing people. Yeah. Um. So sometimes you you want to, but then sometimes, unless you can transcend just a drawing of David Bowie, what's the point? Yeah, you know? yeah. So I've tried to stay away from that a little bit. But I don't mind either if I do want to draw someone. I, I did a drawing of Brian Jones going skiing, <laughs> which I liked. And I don't... It's because it was just a nice drawing of Brian Jones. Yeah, but I feel he like your, your work has grown now into a universe that is separate from all of those things. Yeah, Maybe they I, influenced it on, yeah. in a way, but those personality traits are no longer as obvious as being depicting those people. And I think now I've sort of bit too gotten, forward, I've yeah. gotten much more abstract, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. It's sort of abstract, figurative, I suppose. I, I had a studio visit from a guy, a whistleblower gallery in Brighton, which is good. And uh, he did some work with Serge, actually, because Serge had an exhibition. Yeah. And um, he said, I think what you're doing is hurtling towards abstraction, total abstraction. Wow. And I think he was maybe right. Mm. And I feel like there's a point where you, the more you let go, the more it becomes about the form and the colours and, mm. and the harmony and the balance and these elements that are not particularly descriptive even. And if you can let that go, maybe there's mm. a sort of pure form of something. I feel like there is if you take the eyes out of your work, then you are definitely more abstract. That's interesting because they're always looking out, aren't they? You've always got eyes, there's always characters, they're always figurative on some element. Yeah, so weird. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. Take the eyes out. He knows, doesn't he? Are they self-portraits? Probably. Yeah. Because I'm looking at you. you now, looking at me, and also you have you have a very distinct. <laughs> all my work. Out of all the guests you. we've you spoken to, I feel like I've <laughs> noticed you looking at me more than other people. If that makes sense, he's looking at your like, pocket. You have a. He is. He's, he wants to he's get in your looking, pocket. He's this looking is, in the other. We all the go other, through the, the other pocket. world. Yeah. Also, I wonder. Abstraction isn't really something you can do as comedy. Or, or as acting, or as storytelling in that sense, because you can't really go that abstract without it, because people... I've tried it. It's hard you, Really hard, no? Well, I did a sort of character... I did a bit of stand-up that was called Chicken Man, and it was a, a sort of chicken, half man, half chicken, in a sort of Wild West scenario. Wow. He sort of had Tourette's and was sort <laughs> of navigating through this landscape. Um, and I'm... It was just so abstract that I didn't really explain it until it was happening and people were like what's happening so it's like turning on a radio and then you're hearing something but it was quite full energy quite crazy and uh, it was I would say it was almost abstract it's on my <laughs> you should listen to it. I was it's on my really... stand up record which you can get on iTunes or whatever oh, what? it's, on, it's on Apple Music or whatever yeah. I think so okay. and it's wow. the whole thing and there's a picture of me on the it's just stand up but it's so weird wow. that I think 
the only way to make it funny was to keep undercutting it or let the audience know you knew it was weird as well. And it's almost abstract stand-up. But so I would love to get to a point where you could... You could do that, yeah. Yeah, but it's tricky because then you have other stuff that's not as abstract and people always go, well, Chicken Man, I'm not sure. That can go either way. But I sort of like the thrill of it and people not knowing what you're doing on stage. You have to have Rarely quite a receptive go, audience, maybe. Has he lost his mind? Often, He's lost I, his mind. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine the audience that. just getting up and leaving as well if you weren't if you weren't well, Noel Fielding, for example. You know what? So people, maybe you've got to a point now where you've got a receptive audience that you could experiment with. Well, that you know what's thing. tricky is that people get angry. So if they don't understand something, they, they get do, very they? angry. I was so, always obsessed with Antonin Arto in the theatre of cruelty oh God, but for I this idea it. of the pure like yeah. viciousness and yeah. the, Russell finds it so hilarious because I'm always like Russ did you like well, Stanislavski and he's and like I'm self-taught I didn't do all that crap but not sorry not, not sorry not that it, he doesn't say crap he respects are you it. self-taught but as an actor yeah I think go drum school no. wow mm. he's very That's... instinctive but I was yeah. always really fascinated I mean, by Arto wow. and this kind of like Rah! like really making people like freak out by like violence or something like in the have theater. you seen his drawings yeah amazing yeah, I love them yeah I, he's one of my favourites. Is as he well. really? Yeah, I've got quite a few books of his. They're like sort of incantations, aren't they? Yeah. Like spells. They're like it's like that's he's, my teenage years. They're like right magic, there. sort of. Um, I don't know. They're he's really like a shaman or something. He's like really he's like hardcore. Odd. Yeah, really odd. He was beautiful when he was young, yes, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, when he was yeah. in films. Yeah. And then yeah. by the end, he had like electric shock treatment, yes. lost his teeth, and was yeah. sort of going blind. And like this weird old French dude wandering yeah. about in a real state, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because he was so. Um, he's brilliant actually his writings are brilliant aren't they yeah yeah yeah. and timeless I mean I think they'll always be ahead because they're just so far out he's up there with the buffet a lot of those French boys are very intellectual I've got another word now in my head absurd Uh, absurd 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 is another one because it's kind of like surreal absurd they're all kind of words that words aren't aren't enough are they I don't mind I like absurdist I don't mind it but it always makes me feel like it's slightly more violent than surrealism yes it is it just sounds more it sounds a bit more like a trick yeah. Or mm. I'd say Milligan was probably an absurdist rather right. than a than a Sarah. Sorry, yeah, Sarah Milligan. <laughs> <laughs> Spike. And I think he was probably an absurdist rather than a yeah. surrealist in a weird way. I don't know why I say that. Maybe it was jazz what he was doing. So before we tie this up, what um you were talking about connecting to younger people and younger artists through Instagram and things like that, like people are responding yeah. to your work. What advice would you give to a young creative person now? Wow. It's tricky because I'm sort of so old that I feel I'm like I nodding like, yeah, yeah, you're really old. <laughs> we are really old. We're really old. <laughs> I feel like I I lived in a time before uh, social media and before phones and all of that stuff as well. So I've got both. And I feel like um, some of the problem nowadays with young people trying to create or express themselves creatively is that they worry too much about uh, all of that stuff. And I feel like I would say, don't worry about that stuff so much just worry about the work and what you want to do and that stuff will take care of itself if it's good it'll somehow people will notice and then you'll get scooped up and you'll be on this crazy journey you don't have to i think people feel like they have to be the full package and they yes. have to be able to promote themselves and do interviews mm. and, and it's also about the re- reception isn't it it's all about yeah. now people are cons- they're aware there's an audience yeah whereas when we were growing up if we grew no up in the country audience. for example i'm sure there's still loads of artists who do grow up away from all these things that are yeah. just not worrying about the audience but i feel i agree with you yeah i think when people turn 20 now they're like my career's over i know and it's like it's not, it's not and, the case and you just think you're just a baby you've just yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've got so much time what I like about art actually and it's slightly different to comedy Jonathan Miller died recently and he said yeah. in comedy if you don't do something else as you get older you 
become stranded like a beach beached whale like peter cook he said was a bit stranded he was so brilliant when he was young in his 20s and he did it all and then he was sort of had nowhere else to go because he was only interested in comedy whereas jonathan i think alan bennett then went on and wrote amazingly and dudley moore had music and went and had his hollywood film career and um and jonathan directed opera and stuff didn't he amazing director but peter didn't really have any an outlet for his genius so and he was probably the genius of the four of them he Mm. said but he was stranded you know and it's a young man's or a young person sorry young man it's a young person's uh game comedy you have to be uh it's tough you know you have to it's harder as you get older because you don't want to put yourself in those awkward hard situations Mm -hmm. you know when you're young you'll do it so i sort of feel like um it's interesting, but I, I like the fact that in art, most people who do art don't get really good until they're older. Yeah. So, like, Dexter, I think, got really good when he was in his late 40s. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Damon Hurst's obviously different, but I think, and all those guys from that exhibition and that time, but... Yeah, I but think, even some of them are getting better. Like, think, the older they're getting, like, I actually think their like, work's more interesting than I it was like back then. It's not yeah. ageist, you know, it's not yeah. ageist. And some of our favourite artists are like 18, 19. You're right, you're right. The art later. world is not ageist. No, and I think it's getting more... With more time, you get better, yeah. yeah. Ageist yeah. with other things, like yeah. literally. Yeah, I agree. It's difficult. People then. want you to get older, to have had that experience, to then yeah. be like, there you are, okay, yeah. great. Now I think it's okay with what, you know, you do, because I think, you know, if you're a great actor, people just, the older you get, the better you get, you know. When I work, when I work with you know, Suchet and Sheila Hancock in that thing, there was such a um, a wealth of experience that yeah, they were just bringing. the weight, isn't Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. The weight, it's... And I mean, also, though, um, with acting, I think you're, you're, you're having to portray human emotion and you can't yeah. experience that when you're young. You no, pretend it. And, and it's for, the same with art, though. I think art is about human emotion. So you have to yeah. have had wealth of experiences and yeah. your own... You have to come to terms with who you are and your own voice and what you want, you know, what all that is for it to make sense. yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. You are a beautiful polymath. So, yeah, you are. You're <laughs> a beautiful. Is, you're very beautiful. You know, this is beautiful polymath I mean, in pink. That's, that's a I'm new a title. Man. I'm in love with both of you. Oh, you're in love with <laughs> you. you know you're our new hero. You're, really you're our podcasts. national treasure. I think I've done the nerdist podcast oh, yeah. in America, mm. and this. Well, thank you for I don't that. Did you, what did you enjoy more? This. Good. Of course, you have to. I mean, talk I've never. Art, I don't. Talk really, art is it like a. It's like a Blue Peter badge. I don't do them, so I, but I really wanted to do this one. Thank, Thank you, mate. You. Because you're both We've loved brilliant. every minute of oh. it. I love you both. Thank, Thank you. And I'm and, still um, stunned that you're self-taught. Oh, yeah? I don't know why, but I suppose you are very natural. Did you think I was like a Lambda boy, Rada boy or something? No, I don't Every time know. I look at Russell, I'm like, he went to Rada. I don't know, actually. <laughs> no, I'm just always surprised when someone as good as you oh. is... Self-taught because you've been doing I, it since you were a young kid, kid, haven't you? Yes, and since you were a young child, since you a young were gay young, child, oh, no. gay child, yeah, a young polymath gay well, child. Anyway, we need to finish this. So, uh, <laughs> Noel Fielding, we would like to thank you very much thank for you images. Are you of, youngest gay child, you are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for images of all the artworks we've spoken about, you can visit our Instagram. At What's your Instagram? Art. Oh, um, I just think it's. At Noel, Fielding. Noel Fielding, I Great. think. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, anyway, if you type in the words Noel Fielding, yes. you will find his Instagram. Yes. And he's very prolific on Instagram. You, you have a lot of great posts. Yes. And you'll see a lot of your art as well, yes. which is a wonderful a lot of gift. On there. Um, and we will be back very soon. Thank you very much, Thanks everyone. Well. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening.
Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com